enterprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the focal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today is December 31st on the cusp of a new year and a new decade. And this time of year is marked with people setting new goals for themselves, either personally, professionally, and or athletically. And that's exactly why we're putting out this episode. It's about goals and goal setting. More specifically, how to approach this topic, because it's something that we all consider. Some of us are more focused on it than others, but there's no way to live live life without having the idea of goals or having things that we want to accomplish or improve in our lives and going you know, out of our way and trying to do the best we can to do just that. So with that being said, I talked to two, two people who've been on the podcast before who are well-versed in this topic, and I just couldn't wait to get their insight. First up is David Roche. David is one of the best running coaches in America. He's also one of the best trail runners in America, and I couldn't wait to get his insight about approaching running goals. And as you'll hear, his ideas on this subject pertain to more than just running, but more running-focused as opposed to our second guest, Terry Hutchin, who is more business-focused. Terry has left the corporate world and gone on, gone into business for herself in a variety of different things. And I couldn't wait to talk to her specifically about how she approaches professional goals, how to approach starting a new career and putting goals around it, and all things business and entrepreneurial focus, because I know a lot of people who listen to this are in that space or desire to be in business for themselves including the host. So I couldn't wait to hear more about that. So um, I also want to say, if you like what you hear from both David and Terry, and I'm sure you will, go back in to listen to their their full episodes about themselves, their history, and their running history, because I think both of those podcasts were um, you know, one of the more popular podcasts of 2019, and for good reason. And these are two amazing people. I couldn't wait to talk to them, and I'm sure you will like this episode as well. With that said... Before we get into it, my good friend Sarah Canny has the Rise Run Retreat coming up in the spring. If you are looking to better yourself in any way possible, but are also a female runner who really loves that aspect of your life, I cannot emphasize enough how much the Rise Run Retreat can mean for you. This is something where I think when you have these sorts of retreats and, and week overnight weekend stays, it can be an intimidating thing because some people think, all right, I'm not a good enough runner to do something like that. Or maybe you haven't done an overnight situation like that um, since you know you were maybe 10 years old and you went to camp. Or you're afraid about going alone. No, Fear not, please, because Sarah has done, has done an amazing job of putting this thing together. She's telling me that, frankly... There is no too slow for this run, for this, um, this running camp. And I don't even want to call it a running camp because it's just so much more than that. But there is no such thing as too slow. There's groups. There's people of all levels and ability. And just about everybody who's going to this camp, I think it's like 99% of people have gone alone. So don't worry about, you know, am I going to fit in? Is this going to be a positive thing? Am I going to be, you know, kind of all by myself here? That is not the case. This is all about, communing with other people and, you know, realizing 
what you can be and how you can be, you know, your best self. A lot of what we're talking about in this episode, in fact. So go to go to riserunretreat.com to learn more and use code RAMBLINGRUNNER to save a little bit as well. So with that said, let's get into this episode with David and Terry. David, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so pumped. Um, Last call with you is like one of my favorite things ever. And then Megan's been on, my wife, and she was moderately obsessed with you. So um, yeah, this is going to be fun. Was moderately obsessed is, I think, a memoir of my dating life. (laughs) Because it was they, they were moderately obsessed. Now, not so much. It's all about that first impression, and then you just hope they uh, they get tired and eventually succumb to uh, <laughs> succumb to fatigue. That's that's what I always tell my my wife's family is that that my wife just ended up viewing me as her her best worst option as she approached her thirties. And uh, I haven't had many people uh, contradict that statement, so I'll just leave, I'll just leave that hanging. That's perfect. I mean, I feel like you know we all have different skills and, and abilities, and sometimes it's just waiting it out. Um, you're like one of the ambush hunters. Yes. Did you, did you watch uh, the new girl? Uh, some of it, but not too much. Yeah. In one episode, they call it Bidening. Oh my god! So she like so they're 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 at a wedding and they are all trying to hook up at the wedding and they were they were uh, Jess in the show was calling it. She was doing the Biden, just hanging around. Oh, just hanging around. Hopefully, not like putting people's fingers in her mouth or something. <laughs> there you go. No, that wasn't part of it. That would have made it. I, they need to, to refresh that episode and try to make it more up to date. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. A 2020, uh, hellscape episode of new girl might, might have to be a good reunion. There you go. So that, that can be their goal right now. We're talking about goal setting. It's the, 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 the classic new year's Eve, new year's day podcast. And I, I am going to willfully succumb to the genre and let's do it. Let's do a goal setting episode. I'm excited to have you on here, not only because of your expertise, um, but also your own and Megan's, Megan's uh, uh, approach as well. Your approach to goal setting, the way goals can have an impact on people and the ways in which you like to set goals. So with that said, you know, if people don't know you very well, as you mentioned, you have been on the episode before. I would tell people to you know make sure you listen to that. It was one of my favorites as well. With that said, you know, how big is your coaching business now, and you know what kinds of athletes are you and Megan working with? So we coach a bunch of people, all levels, um, everything from people just starting out to you know a bunch of professional runners, a uh, number of people at the Olympic trials, a uh, number of people like. Uh, doing trail races of all types, track races, a little bit of everything. So, um, you know, over time we've, we've developed like the, the wisdom that comes from knowing people all can have very different perspectives on this thing. And also you and Megan are, you know, extremely accomplished runners in your own rights. So, um, again, no better person to go to on this subject than this. So with that said, when you're working with say a new athlete how do you approach goal setting with them? What importance do you put on it? And what kinds of goals do you like to talk to them about? Well, yeah, I mean, I think the threshold thing that I want to do with every athlete, not just in goal setting, but like, or with running, but goal setting with everything is to start zoomed out as far as you possibly can. So goals are exceedingly meaningful, but they're also exceedingly meaningless. And understanding 
that um, that overall uh, perspective really helps give athletes, I think, a lot of grace to forgive themselves and cut themselves slack and like build goals that are truly meaningful to them rather than just goals that they want to be meaningful to them um, or might be meaningful to a friend or in a running magazine or whatever, or like make a good Instagram post. So at the start, we're like, you know, the, the usual you're stardust with delusions of grandeur. Like we're all dying. You know, this is, this is awesome. It provides meaning and, and fun and all this other stuff, but let's start from the threshold thing of, this doesn't actually matter that much. Um, and from there, we have the the courage to fail, to go for it, to dream big, to do all these big things, but not necessarily judge like our own worth and success by like outcomes or even whether you go through with the goal in the end. Um, so that's the threshold. And then from there, I like to ask them four different types of questions. Um, so yeah, should I jump into this, the first question? Let's do it. Well, heck yeah. So the first is connected to that. And it's like, what is the day-to-day process that brings you the most joy? So like, you know, we can go from the the super general stuff to, okay, like think about like, what does a good week look like to you? Not just as an athlete, as a person. Um, and so I think that that's the, the big thing to start with because, you know, it's, I see tons of athletes that are like, oh, I want to do an ultra marathon, but they hate doing long runs. Or I want to do a road marathon and I don't like running on the road um, and things like that. So start by asking yourself, do I, like, what does my ideal day look like? And, you know, you might find out that your ideal day doesn't even include training seriously or training hard, in which case, yeah, it probably shouldn't even be a runner. Um, you know what I mean? So this helps you go back to those first impressions that, the the things that you assume and reevaluate those and start a fre- start fresh. All right, so that that makes a lot of sense. Really get down to you know the, the why that people have in their hearts, not only for athletics but just their overall life purpose. Yeah, heck yeah. And so, but I think more than that, even it's like the mechanics of a day. So you know, yeah, like maybe the the way your goals are structured format the rest of your life so much and that's why we really love big goals and, and scary things and all that it's because it motivates the day to day but you need to make sure you love that day to day so like i like athletes to think about okay you know you're you're planning some goal for april or june or whatever it's like okay what do i want to be doing on a saturday in february or whatever you know, whatever the time frame is. And so from there, that gives you a lot of insight into what actually what you enjoy about this sport or don't enjoy about this sport. And it really helps you like <laughs> dial into what me- is what matters to you. And like, you know, listen to some of your like your recent episode with Peter Bronca, for example, you know, he has this amazing training group and they do marathon workouts together. And, you know, that gives so much meaning. And so I don't think, you know, hearing him talk and reading his writing, you know, it's where he wants to be on those Saturdays when they're all, you know, running those long tempo runs together. And that fits right into the marathon and his big goals, you know? Um, So that's where I want athletes to come from. Okay, so once they get there and once they get clarity on not only what they want to accomplish, but how they want to spend their days and they kind of you know, communicate that with you, what's the next step? Okay, well, now we're getting into, um, I think, a little bit of something that we're all dealing with, which is, would you do it if you couldn't tell anyone? Um, and so I think that this is especially hard in the modern era because in the old days, I mean, 
I imagine what it was like is, you know, we all have the people we know and there are these communities that our brains are, are hand are equipped to deal with. And so this is, this question probably wouldn't be a big deal back then as much as it is now when like on Instagram, you know, I've heard it said that like, we're all on a scale from one like to Kim Kardashian, you know, we're all celebrities on that spectrum in some way or another. So we're all crafting in our own heads, this image, this story, a narrative that extends not just to like our tribe or the people we're with, but the community generally, people that truly don't give a crap, like everything in between. Um, you know, there's a reason that celebrity marriages all fail. Um, it's because it's not like, you know, there's all this stuff that goes into it that isn't like a day-to-day lived life. Um, so for here, it's like, this is, it makes it purely internal. So like, if you couldn't tell anybody, if like, if your time was just in your head, if, um, you know, like whether you ran a marathon, whether you could, whether you could have a sticker on the back of your car or not, not to say that that's a bad thing. That's awesome too, because you're, you know, advertising things that are meaningful to you. It's more just to make sure that it's what you want in reality and not, it's what you want in the story you're telling yourself. So step two is really like a backstop to make sure that you're doing step one correctly in a sense. Yeah, exactly. And all of these are basically getting back to that one thing, Um, you know, that step one, because at the end of the day, you reach these finish lines and these big goals and it is totally, utterly meaningless unless it brings you some sort of joy and growth in that process. And that's cliche as heck. But we all have those experiences. I mean, I talk about this all the freaking time with everyone because it comes up over and over and over again. So, you know, it can be a race. That's the obvious one that Claire Gallagher wins Western States 100 last year, you know, one of the athletes we coach. It's not like Claire. Claire is who she was before that race and is the day after. She had done the internal work before to be content, but like it could have easily gone the other way and turned into a really dark moment in her life, which is crazy to think about. We all think that once we reach these heights, whether it's a work promotion or a wedding even, I mean, there's uh, post-wedding depression is a thing, you know, like all these different things. So Essentially, what we're trying to do is distill down people's decision-making process to anticipate the fact that, like, you are awesome, independent of whether, you know, outcomes of a goal or how a result plays out. Because, um, you know, if there is conditional, like, love of the process, conditional self-worth, any of that stuff, like, it, it, it's always going to wind up in disaster eventually. Um, so... So yeah, I mean, all these questions are trying to get at that. This one in particular is just because, you know, we're all so, not all, but like, I imagine most people recently to the podcast are pretty dialed into like the community and the, you know, social media world and all this other stuff. That's awesome, but also fake. And by fake, I mean like, you know, it's not in your li- true lived experience, you know? So, and I, I think we all, like, I mean, I've had athletes, back in the day, actually, this is probably before Instagram and Facebook, I know athletes would be thinking about what they would say in their race report before they finished a race. You know what I mean? Like in their blog, blog spot blog. Um, and I imagine it's a little bit like that now. It's like, I hear athletes all the time, like athletes race differently when I run far as at the, like, you know, the ultra runners, I run far as at the race reporting on it often. And so we have this same conversation. It's like, this has to be internal, not just for um, love of the process, but also performance and sustainable growth. Absolutely. All right. Step three, hit me up. Okay. Step three. Um, so this gets back to the idea that like the, the fundamental thing that we wanted to start with all athletes is that every single athlete 
no matter who's listening to this, no matter where you are on your journey, like you are or can be an elite athlete. Because what to us, what elite athlete means is just um, you're pursuing your potential in the context of a life that is meaningful to you. Um, you know, results and outcomes are so dependent on things outside of our control. And it's something that everyone needs to think deeply about. You know, so for a good example is Megan works for this company, um, a startup called Axgen that does genetic testing of athletes. Um, and essentially what they found, and it's been, it was validated at Western States this year, um, but it hasn't been published yet. They can predict things like injury rates largely based on someone just giving a spit sample, um, which is crazy to think about that genetics isn't just VO2 max or you know things like that. It also gets down to things like your bone density or your risk for plantar fasciitis or you know your risk or that being said, also too, your your motivation, your incentive structures, like all that stuff is probably connected to things that we don't have as much control over as we we think we do. So the question with that long preamble is, does this goal let you live a life that is meaningful to you? Does it make you a good person? Like the good, the best version of yourself that you want to be. Um, and this is kind of, what this is more of a backstop against than anything is people that set goals and then let it consume them to the point that they become someone they don't like. Um, and so, you know, that this isn't just running, this is being a human and making sure that you can still be the parent you want to be or whatever, or the friend, or just the, you know, the person at the checkout counter that's actually attentive and present for others. Um, so, so yeah, like essentially does it let you be you as opposed to, you know, forcing you, whether it's because of your genetics or your psychology or whatever to be someone that you're not. Yeah. And I think this one's really, again, I'd love to hear your, your insight because these are your rules, not mine. Oh, but no, this please, seems to be please, a great please. one. Oh, pine. <laughs> this is a great one for like the hard driving type A person, right? Where like, like a metaphor, a metaphor would be like, you know, fire can, you know, can cook your food and heat your home or it can burn your whole home down and making sure that you're on the right side of that spectrum. Oh, for sure. And I mean, that's most runners and athletes, you know, like, that's a lot of where striving comes from. And that's great. Um, this, this internal drive and structure and things like that, but oh my God, you know, any coach that has ever gotten a window into the world, like can into the world of athletes, like you, like, so essentially the way I like to think of it sometimes is, all right, you can imagine a house, like essentially, you know, like an athlete is a house. And from the outside, it's like, oh, it's a really pretty house. I really like that house. That's cool. And like everyone says that, you know, people look at it, you know, put pictures of the house on Instagram or whatever. And they're like, oh, yeah, sweet house. Um, and then a coach might just get a little peek through the keyhole. I understand I'm not inside the house usually, you know. And you get a peek through the keyhole and there's like chimpanzees running around and throwing feces at the wall. It's like <laughs> it's way different than it appears from the outside. And that's just through a peek. So, um you know, the idea is like, yeah, these internal worlds can be very difficult and you want to structure something that is really geared towards, you know, bringing out the lightness and the joy or whatever, you know, emotions bring you meaning in that internal world. Um, and yeah, I mean, with, with God, with motivated athletes, I bet I, you know, there aren't that many good studies on it, but I bet mental health struggles among professional runners is much higher than the, you know, maybe baseline of the general population. Whether that's, you know, chicken or egg is, is up for debate, but 
probably a lot of it comes from if you're extremely goal oriented, um, you know, you're re- it's it's very easy to lose the forest through the trees or whatever. So yeah, I mean, I really want athletes to think about that because at the end of the day, goals are a means to mental health rather than a means to physical achievement. Right. And you can put that type A-ness, so to speak, you know, to good use, right? If you can say, all right, you're going to be goal-oriented. I can't change that about you. You're going to be somebody who, you know, thinks a lot about this and you can be kind of all or nothing type personality. Well, then let's make sure that we're directing it towards a goal or process that's going to be beneficial for you that if you're going to be all in on this it's not going to be something that's going to set you up for a you know demise it's going to be setting you up for success yeah exactly like you know if you have this huge freaking fire hose just going off at all times like you know you can you can use that to irrigate a field or something rather than and you know cause things to grow rather than just like you know, torturing yourself. Um, and yeah, like that, that, I mean the, the constant undercurrent here and, you know, there's an easy rebuttal to any of this stuff. It's like, well, why strive at all? It's like, that's not the question to ask. Like this is, you know, now we're starting to get more into to spiritual stuff, but the idea is like, yeah, none of this stuff has like ultimate meaning about what, you know, if you break three hours in the marathon, it doesn't, change the universe obviously um but that's the point the point is that you know existence itself like that's why i like athletes to zoom out it's like you know it's all these molecules all these quarks and electrons that came together to form this thing and you know the existence itself is this miracle and through that through that miracle we can like you know run we can write concertos we can have families we can do all these things that provide color and meaning and joy and remembering that with the running though like you care you care deeply but you care deeply while winking just a bit you know like you're you're really serious at the start line but your your sides of your lips are just slightly upturned into a smile like that's where you gain great power and the ability to zoom out and like love yourself even if you're playing this character sometimes that might need to be super intense or, you know, want to beat people and want to crush people. Like that's all great, but it's done with this, like this knowing nod, this little thing behind it that, you know, you see the numbers scrolling down in the matrix. All right. Step four. Okay. Step four, last four and last one. And this is like right on that topic. Does, does it scare you a little bit? Um, does this get you out of bed? Does this make you vulnerable? And I think that that's the point, the last little point I really want to hone in on. Like we all kind of get the fear element, like it's a big goal. It's something that's, you know, a little bit daunting. Um, but the vulnerability part is what I really want to want people to think about. Um, you know, so yeah, with goals, especially when you're thinking about it in this mental health way, you know, it'd be easy to be like, well, okay, I get that I'm supposed to care about it. I get that you know, even though like I love myself no matter what, it's like, well, then shouldn't I just do things that don't put me outside of my comfort zone? Like that would make more sense. Right. And it's like, no, 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 no. Because the place that true, like why running is so great or why athletics is so great is because it's a metaphor for all these big questions. And whether you think about that very specifically, like coaches might, or whether it's just something general, it's something that every athlete is deeply connected to, whether they know it or not. So like, you know, when you get injured, that's essentially a trial run 
for every terrible thing you go through in life, but in a way that gets better in six weeks, usually, hopefully. Um, and, you know, everything works similarly, like, you know, a great race and is an example of, um, you know, having these good moments and still working and still and nothing settling, even though you understand. So things like that. So through vulnerability, like through that emotional exposure, um, you give yourself the ability to truly know who you are. Like runners and athletes and all these things, they talk in big lofty tones and things, I think because you start to really know yourself. You gain a wisdom from the failures and successes and um, joys and, and depressions that come just from being an athlete. And um, so, yeah, by being vulnerable, you also are setting yourself up to learn. So, you know, you can crush it. Like, I mean, a great example is the, you know, to go on Bronca again, like he made himself vulnerable. And in that not only helped himself grow, helped everyone else grow around him. Um, and that's what it's about. That story is what it's about. Um, not the ultimate outcome of whatever. Um, so yeah, go for it. <laughs> Dream big, tell people your story. Um, and, you know, like, as, as I've heard philosophers say, like, it's about, falling down, getting back up and talking about it. And so that's how to think about your goal. Fall down, like fall down this year for sure. And it fall down within the context of something you like, but then get back up and then talk to people about it. I love that. That, that makes so much sense. And, you know, that whole idea of like, have it be a little scary, you know, almost guarantees that you'll, you know, almost guarantees that you will fail because even if something doesn't seem to be outside of your realm of possibility, you could still fail again, go back to what we talked about earlier. Like you never know what uh, forces will impact you on certain days. So I know in our first conversation, we talked about the timing with which you like to set goals with your athletes, um, you know, in terms of like long-term versus short-term goals and things like that. Can you speak a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think now we can, <laughs> I'm like, I've been talking a lot at you at, the, at this, which I like, I hate doing, but since I had those four points, I wanted to get them out. Um, so now like when we're thinking about like athletes that have this framework, so let's go to the athlete and be like, okay, well, if we're thinking about your long-term happiness, how should your goals be structured? And I think most will like un start to understand, oh yeah, yeah. Like it shouldn't just be trying to get to some you know, some horizon because you get to the horizon and it just keeps moving on. Um, instead it's these long-term like big, so big, scary dreams or big, hairy, audacious goals or whatever you, uh, however you framed them the last time that are great to have the structure. So for, you know, a marathoner, let's say, you know, I think OTQ is awesome. It's like such a great thing to have for the community because people that, you know, a woman that has run a 315 marathon. Like I totally love the OTQ as this big, hairy, long-term goal. Um, but then from there to break it down into like the other actions that you take to get there, like, okay, that'll probably require the trial of miles. And that's like, so in other words, three to five years, like think on that time scale, but then structure decisions to get there. Even if that ultimate, like, destination might might forever be out of reach like if you're asking if you're setting the right goals and asking the right questions it doesn't really matter whether it's in reach or not and one thing that all athletes have to deal with and you know your wife included in 2019 is goals deferred because of injury so how do you approach injury not not like little injury like i'm out for a week or you know i have a you know a cold or things like that you know something that's pretty substantive that's going to change um, 
significant timelines that maybe someone has has laid out. How do you approach your athletes and their goals when those sorts of circumstances arise? Yeah, I mean, that's the best question of all is like that like our best laid plans and everything are totally uh subject to chaos at all all times. And in running, again, it gets back to the metaphor of running. So, you know, like all business people know this, for example, like people that have startups and things. It's just a total crap show or whatever. You know, it's like you throw a lot at the wall and sometimes things stick and blah, blah, blah. But when you have your body connected to it directly, it becomes, you know, fragility is always there. And so when you get injured, it's like, yeah, that sucks. And you need to start reevaluating things. And that's the lesson is the constant process of reevaluation. So, um, you know, none, you don't have to hold yourself to any of these goals. Like it's all something that you're, it's, you're opting in. It's never anything that, you know, your friends all love you. The people that care about you love you. Like that's why all this stuff is internal. Um, so what I like athletes to do is, yeah, have these big goals, dream really big and all this stuff. But it's always subject to change. Like you're not held to anything. This is a story that you're making up every single day when you wake up. So make sure it stays meaningful. Like, um, and yeah, keep reevaluating. I mean, we like athletes every six months to totally like make sure that they're still on board with what they're thinking. And if they're not, fine. Like it's totally cool to do something else with that. Um, and not just like, you know, like running isn't, it's just an internal journey. It's not a partnership like a marriage or something. It's just you. So make sure it's something that brings you joy. What a way to end it. Thank you so much, Dave, for coming on. We're going to have another call scheduled in a week or so. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say exactly what you and I and Mario Fraioli will be talking about, but I'm going to drop a hint. Exciting things happening on the road to the Olympic trials uh, feed. If you're not already subscribed to that, David, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this important topic. I appreciate you so much. And thanks everyone for listening. I think all of you are freaking awesome. Hello, Terry, and welcome back to the show. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So tis the season for goal setting. And I couldn't think of a better person to have on the show than you to talk about goal setting in a, you know, in a professional capacity. And certainly you are a runner and we can talk about your running as well. Uh, you like myself are kind of dealing with injuries. So we, we wish we could set more athletic goals in the moment, but <laughs> yeah. with that said, I want to talk about the, the professional goals because you like so many of the people listening to this show, you know, work in a fashion that um, you know, you're kind of a you're a solo entrepreneur in a sense. And I know that you've now created a system where you have employees and contractors, and you left the corporate world and kind of went out on your own in a way that we detailed extensively in a previous episode. But with that said, how first of all has your goal setting evolved over the last you know five to eight years or so? Oh gosh. I would say, um, if I had to choose just like one word to sum up how my goal <laughs> setting has changed, it would be they're much more uh, flexible, I guess, um, and more. So I'm doing more than one word. More flexible. They're more. They evolve. Like as as new opportunities come up or like trial and error, they're much more they just evolve. It's not like I want to set a goal to run a half marathon and then you check it off. Um, goals in business are so different because 
as you work on something, new opportunities will come up or you'll go down a rabbit hole and be like, that's not going to work. Um, or sometimes there's the shiny object and I'm like, oh, I want to do that too. So they, they're not as concrete, I would say, as they used to be. Okay. So do you find yourself doing, as opposed to like the big, you know, the big New Year's goal and, you know, this is what I'm going to do in 2020 and so on and so forth. Do you have a system or just a, a methodology in some sense where it's a little bit more short term with maybe the, the longer term goal being a des- kind of have like a designation for your business or designation, a destination, I should say, for your business where maybe the short term goals are a little bit more um, numbers or metric driven? Yeah, that's probably a good way to think of it. Um, I, I'm constantly setting goals. So for me, a New Year's resolution or New Year's goals um, is not doesn't necessarily change the way I do goals. It's not like I do a big kind of reset then. I think it's a good reminder to check in on my goals. Um, but I'm constantly setting goals. And what I do is, and it, I guess it's second nature. It's Every once in a while, I'll sit down, like actually write out um, like, okay, this is my goal for the next year. But I have a, a notes document where I'm constantly just writing down like where I want my business to go long-term. So for example, um, when I first started like really monetizing my blogs, I have a, um, one of my websites is a foodie stays fit. My first goal was, okay, I want to pay for my wedding. And so that was a big long-term goal. And then I would break it down into financial, um, like what I needed financially to get there. And then um, I would break down like tactically what do I need to do to hit those finance goals? So then another example is I wanted to leave corporate America. So that was like a, a really big long-term goal that I set a year in advance. So I'm like, okay, a year from now, I want to leave corporate America. I met with my accountant, my financial advisor, like what do the numbers look like to get there? And then again, I break it down into financial, um, like shorter term goals and then tactics to meet those. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. So really a top-down method. Um, you know, say, set the direction and then keep getting more granular as you go down to really kind of make sure that you're going down that path and knowing which steps to take. So, for example, what are some of the goals that you set in 2019? <sighs> okay, so 2019 um, was the year I was planning to leave corporate America. So I'd been working in corporate America for 13 years, um, first at Goldman Sachs, then BB&T. And then lastly, at Wells Fargo, I managed their social media strategy and video production. And I knew going into 2019 that I was planning to leave corporate America. And so the biggest thing there was I needed to replace my corporate income. Um, And I'd been working towards that for a while. I just knew that it was actually going to happen in 2019 based on what the numbers were looking like. Um, So that was the the first goal. Um, Another one of my goals was that I wanted to get um, the right people in place to help support me so that I could focus on new revenue streams for my business, and then also longer term strategy. Because if I'm in the day-to-day weeds of every single aspect of my business, I, I mean, I, I couldn't get, I, I, there's no way I could explore new avenues of my business. So getting um, a, a couple new additional hires was another one of them. Um, launching my second website, Best of Winston. It's a website for my city and people who live here and are visiting here. I wanted to get that launched. I had been working on it for over five years. And so I wanted to actually get it out to the public. Um, So that was one of my big goals. Um, And then by, as I was seeing, like as my year was progressing, um, I set a big goal. I'm like, okay, I want this year to make 
double what I was making in corporate America. So that became my my year end goal because a lot of those other goals that I just referenced were kind of the Q1, Q2 goals. And then as I got into Q2, I was like, oh, this is a really good year. Let's see if I can double what I made when I was working in corporate America. And I did. And that's extremely satisfying because it's so scary to leave a salary and benefits and health insurance and all of that. And so to just really feel that validation, like, yes, this was the right decision um, financially and personally um, was really exciting. And how do you find a balance between setting a goal that will be a stretch goal and something that will, you know, really kind of spur you on in a sense and hold you accountable while also making it so it's not too daunting where, you know, if you go down, you know, if it's, you know, a situation where maybe things don't progress as quickly as you like, but, you know, it's not like a a dramatic slowing down where it doesn't become some sort of like weight on your shoulders. You know, I approach it in business the same way I do with a big race. So I have A goals, B goals, C goals. And there's another aspect of my business, um, Beauty Counter. It's a skincare makeup company I partner with. And I really wanted to hit a certain level with them. And so that was my A goal. Like, okay, I want to be at the top of their compensation plan. This is my A goal. And I didn't get there. And I've been trying to get there for six months. And I'm like, okay, well, B goal is that I at least maintain this level of income from that partnership. And I've been able to meet that. And my C goal would be like, okay, let's make sure I'm covering my business expenses with that. Um, so I, I set business goals the same way I, I set race goals. And I think that that really helps so that if I don't meet something, I'm not devastated. It's like, okay, well, I didn't meet A goal, but that was like a pretty big stretch goal to get anyway. But I met my B goal and that's awesome. All right. So I love the comparison between the business world and the running world. And oftentimes when you're comparing one metric, it's easy to make that conversion, right? Like, okay, I want to break two hours in the half marathon. It can be something similar to like, okay, I want to increase my income by you know 10% this year and things like that. So you have these you know, results-driven goals, which can easily be measured. So with that in mind, you know, sometimes a results-driven goal can, you know, be unmotivating in a sense where it doesn't have a connection to impact or it doesn't have a connection to the process that we want to, you know, either establish or a habit that we want to have. So what sort of things do you do either in your business life and or your running life that can be more process driven and not necessarily um, numbers or metric driven? I would say in work, um, I've been working really hard to not work all the time. And that's a process. That's not, I mean, that's certainly related to numbers. You know, the more I work, the more I could hopefully in theory make. Um, But earlier in the year, I was working 80 to 90 hours a week when I was still at um, corporate America. And I was just completely driving myself into the ground, like panic attacks, anxiety, the whole thing. Um, And so once I left, it was really hard to break the habit of working all the time. and. I didn't really know what to do with myself if I wasn't working or running, which is still kind of the case. Um, but so a goal around lifestyle has been really important to me. And that's um, not putting the pressure on myself to feel like I have to wake up at 5 a.m. every day. If I want to, I do. But I, I don't put that pressure on myself. Or not working every weekend has been a really, really um, challenging goal because I don't know what to do with myself on the weekends. Or... Um, turning my phone off, like literally just turning it off at certain points of the day or at night, um, deleting apps from my phone. 
So really trying to get my life back. Um, that's been kind of more of the journey and the process with the business because it can certainly take over my life. Um, and I love my work. Like that's the hard thing is like, I don't mind working. And like, I was at the office last night until seven 30 and, but granted, like I didn't get into the office until 11 because I had an appointment in the morning. So, um, really lifestyle and quality of life has become more important to me, especially, um, just as some things have come up in my, my personal life and family that it's just not worth it to me to work all the time. Like I used to. So that's one side of it. Um, and then running goals that are not like a specific hard time, uh, time that I want to set. I can't run right now. (laughs) Um, I had a stress reaction that thankfully did not turn into a stress fracture, but I was in a boot for six weeks and I'm still not cleared to run. And so I haven't been able to really work out the stress that I've been used to in the past with running. And so I've been setting goals of, okay, just stay active, Um, stay active in the way that I can. So I hired a personal trainer for the first time in my life, because if I can't run, I'm kind of like meh on everything else. So that gave me some accountability, Um, working on strengthening my core, which I tend to neglect. And then also really trying to embrace that it's a down period. I've run Boston two years in a row. Um, this year, my mileage peaked earlier around the, um, seventies, 70 miles a week. And I think having this down period to really embrace like, okay, this is, this is a a recovery period, not just like a recovery run or recovery week. Like this is a recovery period and, um, letting myself enjoy that has been, um, has been a challenge. Like I'm used to working out really, really hard. Um, so those are kind of the two sides of, goals that I've been working on this year that are not related to, um, a paycheck or a a time goal. All right. So 2019, what a banner year for you professionally. I mean, what, what a huge thing you've been working on it for a while. It came to fruition. And not only that, it, you know, far exceeded what you were doing in the corporate world, which obviously is very exciting. And I'm sure for you, gratifying and you must have had those moments where like why didn't I do this sooner oh, yeah. feel especially now that you're making more so yeah. with that being said what are some of the goals that you're moving towards and setting for yourself in this upcoming year so for 2020 um, I really want to diversify my revenue and the reason I want to do that is I don't ever like being completely dependent on one source of revenue which is so funny because like that's part of why I had a hard time leaving corporate America is that it was a very steady source of income, but it was only one source of income. And so I think that's why a lot of people do like a side hustle um, to just have like that extra income for whatever reason. And now that I work for myself, I never want to be dependent on one thing because I've been blogging for, oh my gosh, a very long time. <laughs> I started my first blog in 2004 and I've seen how the online influencer blogging, the way you you make money online has changed over and over and over. And if you're not ready to change with it or try new things, I mean, you can be wiped out. I I know a lot of women who built their businesses around Facebook back when Facebook used to be different Then you could get a lot of traffic from Facebook. When Facebook introduced the algorithm, they went from having a full-time income to nothing. And I'm grateful that never happened to me. (laughs) Um, But all that to say, like, I don't want to ever depend only on Instagram because Instagram's algorithm is a monster already. Let's say that they 
um, change something else and I, I get absolutely no exposure. Like if they took away Instagram stories, I mean, that'd be a huge chunk of how I um, generate revenue. So all that to say, like, I never want to be dependent on one thing. So I'm working on adding in a couple new revenue streams. One thing that I've been toying with um, throughout the year are online courses. And I actually launched my first online course a couple of weeks ago. And Matt, thank you for participating. Um, and that's been really, really fun. And the reason I like online courses is that I feel like I'm able to provide even more value than I can in a blog post or an ebook or a social media post. Like I can really go deep, um, deeper into topics. And so that's been fun. And it's just learning something new. I'm planning a running 101 course based on, um, I get so many questions about like, hey, I'm a new runner. Where do I start? And I'm like, where do I start? I have so much to tell you. So um, online courses is probably my biggest goal. Um, and then also really trying to step back and think, okay, five years from now, like what's my goal with a foodie stays fit. And I try to do that just like as a habit, like reflecting when I'm getting in the weeds too much of like, okay, what's the end goal? Like, is this really where I should be spending my time? Um, or is this work I should stop? Is this work I should outsource? Is this work I should give to someone on my team? Um, so really getting more clear now that I'm doing this full time, what I want it to look like in five years. Um, and that's hard to say because, again, in five years from now, the whole online influencer thing can be different. And then the other thing that I really want to work on, this is like, it like hurts me to even talk about it. It's such a pain point is my other website, Best of Wins. And I've had it for so long. I finally got all the content populated. I hired somebody to help me with that. And it's a beautiful website and nobody knows it's out there. And so how do I make myself dedicate time to something that's a pain point where it's like, do I need to invest my time in this? Do I need to hire somebody else to help with it? Um, it's not making any money right now. So it's hard to pour money into it and just really deciding like, what am I going to do with this? Do I, do I keep it or do I just cut my losses and, and move on from it? Um, but that's, that's probably the biggest, like if there was a goal that I really need to set and one that I really avoid, it would be what to do with Best of Winston. <laughs> Yeah, and especially with those online endeavors, not that we have to dive totally into this, those online endeavors, which are all, which are kind of at the same time, like this hybrid, like local business type model. So you have like this, this, this alchemy of, you know, being out in the community, but also being online within a smaller community, which is kind of a unique thing. And you're certainly, a, you can see why there'd be a market for it, but it's also like at the same time, a localized thing where the internet is inherently you know, not localized. It's like the world is flat type model. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's tough, but thankfully like the Instagram account for best of Winston does really well locally. Um, and I think, cause I mean, it's pretty pictures to look at and everyone loves where they live. Um, but it's more, how do I really increase awareness of it? Um, and it's an entirely different business model than a foodie stays fit because it is local and a foodie stays fit is global. And so it's just, it's very different. It's going to require a lot of discipline on my part <laughs> to figure out what to do with it. It's like, I know what to do. It's, it's making myself do it when I'm much more comfortable doing things with my business that I've had for a long time. Right. Well, Terry, thank you so much for hopping on. This was uh, enlightening for a lot of reasons and seeing what you've been able to do with something that a lot of people, not just people who listen to this show, but just worldwide want to do, which is kind of go in, go into business for themselves, you know, in an area or on a topic that they're extremely passionate about and they can see themselves doing it every day and they don't want to view work as work. 
necessarily. Um, you know, I'm sure there's 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 moments even in your life where you view work as work, even though it's for yourself. But you know, by and large, where you know they they are so energized to do things that they love and to get paid to do it. So I really appreciate you coming on and talking about not only your process and and some of the things that you're working on, but the goals that you're using to try to you know take things to the next level and continuing to do that far into the future. So thanks a lot for hopping on. Thank you for having me. David and Terry, thank you so much for coming on. I learned so much while recording this episode and now re-listening to it. Hopefully my 2020 is as good as everyone else's because I think if you take these principles and apply them and think holistically about your life and where you want to go, there's no stopping you if you follow through on it. And that's exactly what I hope to do in 2020 as well. Also, big ups to Rise Run Retreat. Go check them out. Sarah Candy is doing amazing things. And she is somebody who, just like Terry Hutchin in this episode, who has really kind of built up in her own entrepreneurial way uh, a business that is just uh, is flourishing and it's, uh, it's really inspiring to see. So one of those people who I look up to and say, wow, Sarah's doing amazing things. I need to be more like Sarah. <laughs> I find myself thinking that quite often. So go check them out at riserunretreat.com. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening, for rating, and reviewing the show. It warms my heart every time you do that. Have a great day and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.